This is the Real Good Podcast. With me is Blake Nice List Curtis. Hello. And Derek Naughty List Armstrong. It's probably going to be. This episode is called It's the End of the Year as We Know It, and that's because it's our Christmas episode and and the New Year's episode, and we're going to be talking about our top five films of 2016. Bit of a disclaimer, we've been forced to record this uh, a little bit before the end of the year because... Derek is off to the land of the free and the home of the something for a few weeks. Yeah. Go, Trump. I'm out of here. Did you just... No, you did not say that man's name. As a result... Let me finish my intro. Sorry. As a result, there are a few releases that we're missing out on, but that's just the nature of it, and our thousands of listeners will just have to deal with it. Millions. Another quick disclaimer. Well, they won't um, get up till February anyway. <laughs> another disclaimer is uh, we've cracked open the scotch. It's our end of year. Will you begrudge us being maybe slightly drunk during this episode? You've got no choice. If you I say do, no. Stop listening now. But it's going to be fun. Come on. You should keep listening. Keep listening. What's your problem? It's a Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so the format is we're going to go through our top five and no, our fifth, then fourth, then third, then second, then first. And then the podcast is going to get out, go, uh, finish. And worst and, film. And then, and then the worst film. And then once the podcast is finished, you'll, um, you'll stop listening and you'll go on with your life. Mm. Yeah. Five. But gradually. Of 2016, I'm going to start with you, Derek. Okay. Well, right off the bat here. Um, yeah. So my number five film is Swiss Army Man which is directed by the Daniels, Daniel Shiner to Daniel Kwan. It is possibly the most unique film I saw this year. Uh, for Just to give you a little bit of a plot synopsis, there's a man named, played by Paul Dano who is on a deserted island, ready to hang himself because he's been there for quite a while, or so it would seem, and a corpse washes ashore. And the corpse is played by Daniel Radcliffe, and the corpse gives him a new lease on life as he becomes friends with the corpse and carries the corpse around and begins using the corpse's body in very interesting ways to accomplish various survival needs that he has. And it sounds completely off the rails, but and it's it a is, farting corpse as well. It's, it, the corpse farts quite a bit. The, the, All the, the time. farts of the corpse are actually used as propulsion on a number yeah. of occasions. Um, it is. Completely, and the corpse does actually eventually have a personality and speak and such. So it's not just a dead body the whole time. It is. It really felt like a, a wonderful fantasy to me. It was really, it really touched me. Um, it's so much more profound and sad and funny than it sounds like it could possibly be. It sounds really crude. It sounds like something that Adam Sandler might make, mm. but Adam Sandler can never make a film like it, this. It's amazing. Have you seen it, Blakey? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, so I uh, I took my girlfriend. <laughs> Who's now my fiance? I love you, Ella. I took my uh, my girlfriend to see Swiss Army Man, and she really doesn't like toilet humor. And I knew there was a farting corpse in it, and so I warned her. I said, "Listen, there's a farting corpse in this movie. It's only at the start." When she was sitting in the seat. Yeah, so. I was like, there's only there's only at the start. Don't worry about it. the farting's going to uh, you know finish after a couple of minutes. And literally, this whole movie is about the fact that this corpse farts. But it's never played. It's well, there's some cheap humor in it, I suppose. But it's so. It's so um, soft-spoken and thoughtful, mm. and it gets into people's identity and their 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 hopes and dreams. And 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 Paul Dano has to kind of teach the corpse about the world, like the corpse is an infant learning mm. about the world for the first time. And it's just it goes it goes to some interesting places. And I think it would be higher on my list, except I don't love the ending. Okay, I'm really impressed. So. I'm really impressed yeah. that Daniel Radcliffe did that. He's so good. You know what I mean? Oh, like, he's the best. but like, he's but so like good. for Daniel Radcliffe. 
I am Harry Potter. No, yeah. but you know made, what I mean? Like he's, it, made it's so, be- he's made the best choice. That's what I agree he's with. Really made, I think we've yeah. talked about this in the podcast, maybe in our lost episodes. He's really tried to distance himself from the Harry Potter thing. And he's he's great in this movie. And good on him for doing that because yeah. it'd be so easy to be like, I am Daniel Radcliffe, I am Harry Potter. I'm not going to do that. No, he's trying to do like what Kristen Stewart's doing. We're getting away from Twilight too. Mm. Blakey, number five. Um, we talked about this one. This was, I think, a couple of podcasts ago. My fifth one is Billy Lynn's Long Half Time Walk. Um, and I must, I must say, with for me, um, there's if a you very convey uh, Derek's look to yeah, a podcast. He wasn't happy. <laughs> this um, is your moment, Blake. I'm yeah. not going to talk over it. For me, there's a very distinct um, difference between my top three and then the other ones. Yeah. So my four and five are not perfect films, but I feel like. This year has been a bit of a uh, shit year. Yeah, shit year <laughs> in terms of filmmaking. So I, I don't by any means think that this is a perfect film, but I like that this film was made and I like that Ang Lee tried to tell this story as best he could. Um, and for me... You'd it, think that you'd like that the film was made if it's in your top five. Well, you would think <laughs> so. Because for me, it really touched on something that I don't really understand and that's the American dream. Um, I don't really get the American I apparently dream. don't understand it either. No, yeah. Well, <laughs> Shut up, Derek. <laughs> um, this film just follows a kid who has a desire and a belief on what his life will be if he follows the line and serves his country. And that's what really touches me because there are so many, I think, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, I think there's a lot of simple people who buy into this dream and I think there's a lot of people who take advantage of people who believe in this dream. Mm -hmm. He effectively meets a cheerleader who loves him for the war hero that he's not Mm. and so he can never not be that person and that's such a beautiful, touching story. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so before I go into my fifth, I want to give um, two honourable mentions. I want to uh, be on an even playing field with you guys. There are two films that uh, one definitely would have made my top five and the second, which probably would have, that I went to the press screenings of last week and they haven't come out yet. So you guys haven't had the opportunity to see them because I'm more important. Well, here's the hot tip. The <laughs> yeah. hot tip. So, so those two films are La La Land and really? also... Yep. And also Jackie. I hate... Really? Yep. I'll, I'll be brief because we want to get through the top five, but... I thought I hate. I want to talk about this. I, I really don't like. Uh, we can do because no. I mm-hmm. want to just quote this because these are not really Joss's kind of films. Yeah, well, Jackie or La La yeah, well, Land. Well, this I, is not up Joss's alley. Was, so the fact I, that he says this is incredible. I went into Jackie being like another fucking biopic coming around at Oscars time, and it blew me away. Ja- like uh, my review, wow. um, I haven't written my review yet, but it's going to be up on the site pretty soon. Jackie blew me away. So those are two I want honorable mentions. Jackie and La La Land. Can we just touch well, on that? Jackie definitely oh, would. Jackie Oscar front def- runner in that point. Jackie yeah. definitely would have yeah. been. But my it's a musical. Jackie definitely wouldn't have been in my top. Would have been in my top five, and La La Land would have all been pretty close. What was about La La Land that you liked? Uh, I'm not huge on musicals. There was just a oh god. There's a lot to say. There's just a, a, a lot to admire in that film. A, like, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I want to see it now. Yeah. But my top fifth film <laughs> yeah. of the year dun, 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 dun. is Embrace of the Serpent. Oh, yeah, I saw uh, it. This is this uh, uh, movie about uh, two separate men who uh, venture into the Amazon uh, looking uh, for a hallucinogenic plant. Uh, I saw it ages ago, so I can't remember it that well, but I remember liking it. Um, it's in black and white, too. It's a black it's, and white yeah. movie. It's, uh, it's a really cool it's film. It's incredible. Yeah, if you get a chance, uh, check it out. 
Um, because I saw it so long ago, I can't say too much more about it. No, no. Well, like, it's just, it's unlike any film that you're going to see this year. It really no, is. No, yeah. and, yeah. and that's what's so beautiful about it. It takes that, when it when he hallucinates, it, like in the very end of that film, oh, no, 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 that no. is that is incredible. <laughs> like Spoilers. the fact that they try, the fact that they went for that yeah. as, a, as a film, I take my hat off. I think, like, and I think it was a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, what is your fourth favorite film of the year? Uh, my fourth favorite film of the year is a terrific film called Hell or High Water. David McKenzie directed it. David McKenzie, who's had a little bit of a of a of a uh, indistinct career before that, it's a story about two brothers played by Chris Pine and Ben Foster who are robbing banks in Texas, little podunk banks, and I guess uh, podunk isn't a word you use here, but little little. Uh, backwater, backwater banks that don't have any security. We or, say podunk. You say podunk. I asked yeah. you about no, no. podunk okay. when I was hey, writing podunk. that review. <laughs> podunk. P o d u n k. Anyway, so <laughs> once a day at least, they're robbing banks yeah, for a reason podunk. that we. Uh, they're robbing banks for a reason that we don't find out about until later in the film. And there's also they're also being followed by um, a retiring Texas State Ranger uh, played by Jeff Bridges and his partner played by Gil Birmingham. And they have a great rapport. And it's just such an interesting film. And this is the film that I wanted. No Country for Old Men to be. Um, I didn't, wasn't a huge fan of that of oh, that film. I, didn't I know this. No, not a huge fan. Oh. Um, and I thought that this hits some of the beats and um, is in this is it, it continues to surprise you about what it's actually about as it's going on. So I won't reveal too much of that. But, but I was with this film a hundred percent of the way. It's funny. It's what's, touching. What's your qualms with No Country though? Oh, That's, we're not going to talk about that now. I want to talk about Let's it. Stop getting off topic. I'm like, sorry. Yeah. It's just an interesting point. Like, we can have another podcast. Oh, the Blakey ending. goes off topic, <laughs> and we can talk about all the bullshit we shouldn't be talking about. Uh, that that film doesn't stick the landing. This film does. This yeah. film is terrific. Wow, Blakey fourth, Arrival. We've oh, talked I again. Again, we've talked about yeah. this film before. Just for the reference, if you want to hear more about Blakey's thoughts on Arrival, we will go into it a bit. But uh, we did do a podcast on it a few episodes yeah. ago. Go on, there, yeah. Blakey. But I've thought about it even further since, since then. And I remember one of your comments, Derek, was that um, Amy Adams plays this uh, sad character, even though her. So spoiler alert. Essentially, her the big. Uh, uh, spoiler is essentially that her she her daughter hasn't been born yet and that she's quite sad about it and we believe that she's sad because her daughter's been dead but she's not actually dead yet one of the thoughts I've actually had about it since then is that um, which is what the film's talking about is this philosophy of however you feel in life is a feeling that you're always going to have which I think is a really beautiful idea so it's the idea that you have sadness innately in you because you know that something sad is going to have help happen to you and so you have those uh, abilities in your life because you know what's going to happen and so mm. you need those things to come towards you. Um, and so, and, and the more I think about this film, the more I love it because... Can I say you're being quite poignant tonight? Right? Yeah, well, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that it's just not you know, me. It took him, how old are you, 28? Yeah, it's just, yeah, just 28. <laughs> <laughs> we won't but, talk about right. how old I am. Derek, yeah. Derek's in his 40s. <laughs> But I would highly recommend if you haven't seen Arrival yet, watch it and then watch it again. Um, my fourth film of the year is Swiss Army Man, which we already talked about. I, that movie is one of the strangest movies I've ever seen and I just loved it. Do uh, you love the ending too? What happens What happens in the end? Spoiler alert? Um, it's, he goes <gasps> to the backyard of the woman that he's kind of yeah. half-stalking half and um, he goes... Uh, well. 
Yeah, well, we don't have to talk too much about well, it. But the, it, it, the ending didn't it change. It, it's a very melancholy type ending. It doesn't feel like the ending that is that the film's going to have, or for me anyway. The but, ending didn't bother me enough for yeah. it to uh, uh, for it to not be my fourth movie of the year. Yeah, uh, like Daniel Rad- Radcliffe in that movie is amazing. I want him. Like I don't think the Oscars mean anything, but if I did, I'd want him to win best supporting actor. I, I love and even it, yeah. Paul Dano didn't annoy me too much. That movie is awesome. Yeah. If you like. My, like I said, I took my girlfriend to see it and she didn't like it and I did it. And I, and I can honestly say when I was trying to recommend it to people, I have just have no idea whether you'll like it or not yeah. because it's such a strange movie and I can see people loving it and I can see people hating it. Yeah. Well, it's got like the DIY artistic aesthetic of like some of, of like uh, Michelle Gondry or something like that. And it's really beautiful to look at. But better than Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, it, it was great. Yeah. Derek, what is your... Third favorite movie we're racing of through. 2016. Oh, we're, we, it feels like we're racing through, but we've also had a few scotches, I'll, I'll, and I've got my eye on the time. I'll <laughs> say this one really slowly. Slow as possible. Because it's a pro- uh, disclaimer. See, I'm the one who like checks the time and like makes sure we're running, you know, like so you guys don't get bored. Mm. And these guys just want to rant with you. But like it's it's the Christmas special, you know. You're what I mean? ruining like, my joke and you're gonna hear what the joke <laughs> is in just a minute. Yeah. I'll say this one. I know really what it, I know what the joke is, it's Zootopia. Because Zootopia. One of the best jokes in the film is about a sloth mm. talking really slowly. You did ruin his joke, Blake. Sorry, Blake bye. ruined my joke and my my reveal of my choice, which is Zootopia. Um, it's Disney's film that came out early in the year, and it functions as a metaphor for so many things that the world is struggling with right now. Yeah. Now it's my turn to be poignant. Yeah. Um, the U.S. in particular has had a major issue this year, in the last few years, with um, police shootings of minorities and yep. people who didn't deserve to die. Yeah. Um, but they, des- they died because of how they looked. This yep. film is all about that. And a, ch- a child's film that can deal with such weighty issues but also be so much fun yep. is a really worthwhile thing to have in our lives right I, now. And I agree. And, I, you know, it was nearly in my top five as well. But the thing that didn't put it in my list for me is apparently in the original scripts they talked about for the Predators. So the idea is that there's the predators that uh, uh, animals that right. eat other animals yep. and I can't remember what the other animals are called prey I guess yeah, yeah. prey but essentially <laughs> herbivores <laughs> essentially the predators were meant to wear this collar oh, in yeah. the original script and it would shock them whenever they were trying to do something predator like because it's a very civilized world and it was like I, there's this beautiful scene that was cut from the film where it was meant to be this baby bear um, it was like a bar mitzvah yeah. and he gets given a Jewish baby bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was given this collar for the first time. And the, the baby bear was really like quite excited because it means that he was becoming a oh. man. And then he gets shocked by this oh. collar oh, wow. and he looks to his dad and the dad is just so sad because oh. it's like, how'd you find that out? I, it's online. It's this beautiful scene that they drew up. So, and then, like, you're killing it. This that, time. That, <laughs> that feels that to me. That I mean, that sounds interesting. I almost feel like it's more on the nose, though, than the film gets away with being that, like that was their issue because they didn't. Yeah. They took out that whole thing because they felt it was too on the nose, and they didn't think they needed it. Yeah. So, so this film for me demonstrates the creativity of Disney with, with managing a, a world like that, where all these people are living together in harmony, and that's what I hoped would be the outcome of the presidential election this fall. 
And I've watched it again since then, and it moved me even more because I know we had a failing in the U.S. this fall in November, and uh, well, it would be spring here, but in the, in the U.S. it's fall. And, not not and, even in the U.S. I think in the world. Like, yeah. You look at Brexit, and you look at all where the world is heading, and it's just out of fear. Yeah. This is a film podcast, guys. Sorry, can, I, guys. can I just say before we do move on to Blakey's, um, you guys know that I'm not hugely into animated films, I, uh, computer animated films, and I'm not huge on Pixar movies, although I do love Rango. And I went to see Zootopia with you, Blakey, on our. Yeah. We went to see three movies in a day. Yeah. And I also thought Zootopia was a really great yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, I, it moved me on the second time. I, there's some tears on the second time as well. Yeah, Blakey, third movie. Of the My year. third one is um, one of Joss's films that he's already mentioned is Embrace of the Serpent. And I, as I want to say, my top three, uh, in comp- like my top three are fa- like they're top ten films, um, and the the other ones are less than perfect. But Embrace of the Serpent for me was such a brilliant film. Um, it's comments about bringing in different cultures and, and getting them to unite under one idea is just, it was really beautiful. And to, to, to tell the story of one man who made mistakes in his earlier life and he's trying to rectify that was just beautiful. Yeah. And he did, and you could tell that he still didn't trust where the world was going, but he just had to embrace it. And that was what was awesome like it was just an awesome awesome film and that, I, that film is so outside the box and it's, uh, t- it's it's two different timelines that it yeah. follows and just yeah the study of these characters and it's it's, it's almost uh, like it's like it's an artifact from another universe yeah. in a weird way it's and, just so out there and what's so ironic is it's an artifact though that we should listen to and i think it's very poignant to where we're heading and who we are and that's incredible because it's it's a story that was meant to be told a hundred years ago hmm. Uh, and my third film of the year, I want to say that my top three are all 10 out of 10 for me. Mm. Uh, this one and the next one I'm going to say I saw very early in the year. So it's been a long time since I've seen them. Uh, but that, yeah, 10 out of 10s. Uh, is 45 years. Um, this movie, I saw the trailer for it and I was like, oh, great. Another movie about a boring old English couple living in the countryside saying boring shit. And 45 years shook me. Like, so... I. It, it, it's about this couple uh, who have been together 45 years. They're about to celebrate... Spoiler their, alert. They're about to celebrate their 45th year anniversary. And the man gets a letter um, uh, saying uh, that the uh, the body of this girl he was with when he was a younger man... Who was in love with. Who he was in love with, who fell into a glacier and was lost, has been found. And the whole idea is this, this love over time compared to the idea of love when you're a young man. And... Everything about that movie just just shook me to the core. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it it makes you really evaluate. Um, and the uh, thing that Jozza didn't talk about in that um, synopsis is that it's told from the point of view of of the wife of the yeah, wife yeah. of the wife of the man who loved this person from it. A, it's a stunning. Movie. So she's just trying to understand where he was and who he was and whether they're meant to be together or whether if this woman survived but yeah but like i mean when you when you um when you commit to someone you you, you know there's all there's there's thousands of people out there you can be with and you yep. know, this idea of sort of spending 45 years or your whole life with this person as opposed to this idealized love and literally like fro- this lady when she fell down the glacier was frozen in time for this guy mm. and um, he was going to marry her if yeah. he, she hadn't have died. It was beautiful. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing and thing. And the only reason I'm not saying anything is because I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you, oh. Oh, you have to. Dizzy. It's, just, it's on yeah. Presto. I'm going to watch it soon. Mm. 
And before we move on to number two, I just want to say, because it's a Christmas end of year podcast, cheers, fellas. Chin, chin. Can we have the glasses make a noise for a moment? It made a noise, yeah. And it's been a pleasure. (laughs) Uh, Derek, what's your number two? Well, my number two, I didn't have um, Embrace of the Serpent on my list, but I did have a film that deals with indigenous peoples. And this is a film that I'm not sure if either of you have seen. Ride Along 2. Ride Along (laughs) 2. No, this is is a film called Tana, T-A-N-N-A. And it is Australia's submission for the best foreign language Which is film. doing quite well at the moment. It may be nominated for best foreign film yes, at the so Oscars. Yes, so it's made the short list for, of nine films being considered for the best foreign language film at the Oscars. Yep. I had to watch it, had to. I, I felt like a chore at first. I had to watch it for um, a film festival that I'm cu- helping curate, and I can say that. Which because, we're not going to mention because the only yeah. film festival you should be going to is the Real Good Film, <laughs> film Festival this coming March. Real good, we love real good. I'm not gonna. I, I'm allowed to mention it because we ultimately couldn't go with it because it had already had a, a cinematic release. But this is a film that takes place in Vanuatu, and it is a it is a film filmed by Australian directors with Australian money, but of and by non-professional actors who uh, live who live and are telling their own story about their customs which are called um, castom which is a which is a custom about uh, lineage and passing down heritages throughout the tribes throughout the years and this custom requires uh, arranged marriages between tribes in order to keep the peace and in this particular story there's an incursion of love um, two of the characters who, who it's a bit of a Romeo and Juliet tale except for they're both from this not except they're both from the same tribe but the daughter this one was one you know early 20 something is promised to another tribe but she's in love with a man from her tribe and I can't tell you just how gorgeous and how heartfelt this film is as these two struggle to try to make their love marriage succeed when this custom does not allow for love marriage to succeed. It's beautifully shot on this island in Vanuatu called Tana near a volcano, which factors heavily into the plot. And I just can't tell you the quality of the performances of these non-professional natives from Vanuatu, the story they movingly tell through the directors yeah. Bentley Dean and Martin Butler, and what a powerhouse ending it has. It is absolutely phenomenal, and it has... Is strangely enough has um, met- metaphorical value for th- for things like gay marriage, um, about how our society is gradually growing to accept that you should marry the person you love, not a person that society tells you to marry. And it's just a phenomenal film, and I hope you get to see it. That was awesome. Sounds pretty shit. Yeah, nice. Blakey, <laughs> number two. Uh, my number two is uh, Anomalisa, that film. Was that this year? It's wow. this year the way that 45 years was this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they both were eligible for Oscars last year, but yeah. other, other than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anomalisa is one of the most uncomfortable films that I've ever watched. Um, and it, I just don't, I, I can't think of a better film that um, encapsulates uh, Western society's idea of succeeding in life and being in love. Um, and at the time when I watched it, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I didn't know if I liked it. Um, and then coming out of it, I just thought about it for uh, weeks and weeks afterwards. And it's quite an original film. Yeah. yeah. This Did you want to tell what format it's made in? Well, yeah. Well, I don't even know what but stop motion yeah, animation. Yeah. And, yeah. And and it's Charlie quite, Kaufman. Yeah, Charlie Kaufman, like Charlie Kaufman, who is known for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Nine f- Mind Phase, uh, fame. Um, but not for directing it. He is known for ha- having written it. Um, and he, he 
Makes a lot of films that are quite bleak. He did uh, Being John Malkovich. Um, well, he didn't, he didn't direct it. No, but he wrote it. The only film he directed it, is right. um, Schenectady or New York, yeah. which I think is brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's just... Yeah. And he, he just very... Charlie Kaufman has an incredible ability to encapsulate the human mind and all the factors that go into it and that there is no pure love or pure thought because of our minds and what we bring to the table. Um, Can I just say about um, uh, Anna and Lisa? So, um, uh, as you fellows know, my favourite movie of all time is Adaptation, yeah. and which, he, Kaufman, which is and also Ka- Kaufman. Ka- Charlie Kaufman wrote Adaptation, and uh, being John Malkovich, but Spike Jones directed them, mm. and then they went off and started making their own films that, that they wrote and directed separately. Mm. And I think those two together work wonderfully. And ever since they've gone off on their own, and Spike Jones direct uh, wrote and directed her, and Where the Wild Things Are, and Charlie Kaufman went off and wrote uh, Cindy Doc in New York, and Anna Lisa, they've just never been the same. And I think my problem with Anna Lisa was Charlie Kaufman has this like, like, fierce existentialism, which was offset by Char- uh, Spike John's direction. Mm. And I, I think when Charlie Kaufman makes his own thing, he gets too bogged down in this in this thing. And I wished mm. Spike John's had directed yeah. um, uh, uh, Lisa, and I wished that uh, Charlie Kaufman had written her. And I can completely understand that, but I feel like Charlie Kaufman tells a truth that we don't want to be told. And that's what's scary. And I think a lot of studios are scared by that because like, he, he tells a depressing truth. But but I think like to, like to me it's like what was great about Spike Jones was he would almost like you know when when Charlie Kaufman directs his own films he just hammers this point home and sometimes points are better made when they're, they're made yeah. indirectly which I completely yeah. understand as well but for me Anomalisa was just well what an interesting it, format too they have all the all the characters there's three vo- vocal actors in the whole film. One is plays the the male lead, one plays the female lead, and then one plays every yeah. other voice in the film. And it's such an interesting film in that regard too. And I completely understand that as an idea. When when you're in a place where you can't hear other voices, that just makes sense. And that's not something that should be afraid of. And that's why I love Anomalisa because I think it told the truth that a lot of people are afraid to tell. Um, and that's why it's my number two. And it is a perfect score for me. And my number two is Eye in the Sky, which is this film that, um, so Real Good One's a film festival every year. And for the last two years, uh, we've given out uh, to every person who's come a two-for-one ticket to a certain movie. Thanks to E1. E1, if you're listening, thank you. Um, Last year was uh, Black Sea, which was a great movie. And this year was Eye in the Sky. And we found so many two-for-one tickets to Eye in the Sky just littered on the ground after the festival. And it's such a shame because it's such a great film. And this is this movie about modern warfare. It's about drone warfare. Um, and, uh, and I mean, it, it reminded me of Dr. Strangelove, except that it was played straight. And it just did such a good job at, uh, at summing up this, like, the, the, the craziness of fighting warfare at such a, a physical distance mm, and making mm. these decisions mm-hmm. um, fr- from a, Through from a, drones. Com- from a so computer console. Yeah, I don't think you said warfare. that. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, drone warfare movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, no, I think... I'm with you 100%. Like that, that film flew under the radar for a lot of people as well because it's got a good cast too. Helen Mirren's in yeah. it, and um, there is there is a little bit of Doctor Strange love uh, comedy in it somewhere. There's a there's a guy that they have to get permissions from who's having um, uh, intestinal problems, mm. so he can't give the go ahead to shoot this you know 
drone strike at this village in whatever um, Arab country they're looking at because he's on the toilet. You know, it's like, yeah. but, but it's like, but it's like overall though, it's like these are life and death decisions being correct. made by committees uh, thousands of miles away from where it's occurring. Yeah, correct. Derek, are we up to number one? We're up to number one. Is there some kind of drum roll necessary here? Bow! Derek, now so, I feel like you're about to say yoga hoses. <laughs> what is your number one movie of 2016? Yoga hosers. <laughs> yeah. That's the Kevin Smith film that is my second to worst film of the year. No, this That's is... A, oh, we're we're going to get to that. This, is, this film, uh, my number one is Tony Erdman. And Tony Erdman is a German film that is also a short list for the best foreign uh, foreign film for the Oscars. And I saw it at MIFF. It hasn't actually opened here yet. And I think John also saw it at MIFF. Um, it, it is one of the more, more structurally and more interestingly told films in the sense that it's a comedy that's 160 minutes long about a woman who is some kind of efficiency expert uh, slash uh, public relations person for various... Um, organizations um, um, trying to figure out their workforce problems in um, Middle uh, Eastern Europe, and, well, I mean, in Germany and um, in Austria, I believe. Her father is this very um, lively kind of clown who decides that he needs to get closer to her by donning a wig and a pair of false teeth and adopting this uh, persona called Tony Erdman, who is going to go and in, in insinuate himself into these business situations that she's involved in as a stranger forcing her to play along with the situation and seeing what results from it. And it sounds like, I've often heard people say it sounds like some kind of Adam Sandler movie or something like that. And it, it is extremely funny, which is not what something that would have in common with an Adam Sandler film. But it, ah. it, it's, it's very funny, but it's also extremely... Sorry, Adam Sandler. Uh, it's extremely thoughtful about the relationships between fathers and daughters and the divides between members of our family that we love but don't see very much after mm -hmm. a while and have essentially a relationship that is distant that we can't get past. Mm -hmm. And so much profound stuff comes out of this film in terms of these relationships, what, how she defines her happiness, what her life really is for her in this situation. But... If I just described it as this thoughtful pro look at father-daughter relationship, you'd miss the fact that it has a 10-minute sequence, which I won't spoil for anyone, which is the funniest sequence I've seen in a film in 10 years, and my MIF audience was laughing in the aisles. Like, if, if we hadn't stuck to our seats, we'd be rolling in the aisles <laughs> for 10 minutes. It is the funniest scene I've seen. So I feel like Tony Erdman was perhaps uh, ruined by the fact that you gave it 10 out of 10. <laughs> and also another friend of mine, uh, who, whose opinion I respect, um, who also said he, a 10 out of 10 movie. And I went and saw it. And, like, to me, there were moments that were great, but, like... It, <sighs> I just didn't feel it. It's a yeah. long haul if you're not on board, I suppose. Yeah, it's two yeah. hours and 40 I mean, minutes. I, I liked it. But like, I, yeah. maybe it was like, I, I went in with these expectations. I, I mean, I respect your opinions and I respect yeah. those other friends' opinions. And to me, like, it, it, it left me wanting more. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fair. You know, I like not every film's going to work for everybody, and, but this and is... And I don't, that's yeah. not a disservice to Tony Ebony because yeah. it is a good film and there yeah. are, there are moments in it which are really fantastic. Yeah. But, um... I should say the yeah. director, it's directed by a woman named Marin Ade and I want to really want to see our other films now and I'm just mm. really excited that, that this is getting the love from the Oscars possible. I think it's probably a front runner for best foreign language film. And it's, it's, and, it's, it's great that it's directed by a woman director. Yes. I mean, it's, it's so messed up that like it, we have to say that it's great that it's directed by a woman yeah. director, but it actually is. Yeah. yeah. And so that's it. That's my number one. 
Um, Blakey. Uh, I feel like Derek can probably guess my number one. I know what it is, but I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm not gonna do the disservice of uh, revealing yeah, it for you. Um, <laughs> Rogue One. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Uh, no, my number one film um, is a film called Rams. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this film. This this is a film about sheep herders um, in uh, Iceland. The, is it Iceland? Yeah, yeah. The, like the north, up in the cold. And it could so easily be just a caricature, but it is so beautiful in talking about a relationship with another man. And I want to say that because brothers. Well, I wanted, I wanted, I didn't want to say brothers because I don't have a brother, um, and so I don't really understand. I'm right here, mate. <laughs> so I don't really understand the relationship as much as I could. But this story is about two estranged brothers. Um, who live on a farm and have um, uh, rival kind of uh, sheep herds that get assessed at the end of the year for how good their sheep is and the wool they produce. That sounds like the shittest film I have ever heard. Or a documentary. Correct. That sounds like something that I have no interest in. Nothing that I would want to see is in that film. And yet this film is awesome. It, it it touches on the human spirit and the desire to want to connect with another human being in a way that I can't the brothers are they live next understand. door to each other which in which in this climate means, you know, probably a kilometer away yeah. from each other. But, but they, haven't they haven't talked to each other for 20 years. For 20 years. Yeah. And and yet they're united over their love for Rams. And, and like we should like say that, that is, we, all, we but should like, say that the Rams come under they, they develop a sickness and yeah. that's what drives the plot forward. Yeah. But but the, even that is not that's you don't even need that as an idea. It's just this human desire of wanting to to survive and to find someone else who loves what you love. And that that finding someone in your life that loves what you love is that's that's the purest point of of human connection and this film made me understand that in a subject that i know nothing about yeah. so i really liked it too yeah. uh, it, it is a beautiful beautiful film and it's completely underrated and i think everyone who gets a chance should watch this and i still need to check that out so i oh it's sensational and now the only opinion that really matters <laughs> Uh, no, number my, one, John. My number one is um, Hello High Water. Mm. I, um, I, I I saw the trailer and I thought, oh, you know, like uh, a no country for old men wannabe. And uh, the, the the plot was unremarkable, but it's uh, how how he put that plot together. And the scene that really sticks out for me, there's a, a whole lot of great scenes. It's when um, Jeff Bridges is um, uh, sitting in uh, his uh, uh, the hotel room while his partner's his police partner's trying to sleep. And he's sort of, you know, uh, giving him shit, and he's he's been sort of like throwing these racist remarks towards this um, uh, it's a half Mexican, half uh, Indigenous American. Yes, uh, that's right. Partner the whole time, and the partner just wants to go to sleep, and then eventually, you know, the, the partner says, "Can you go go to your own hotel room?" And Jeff Bridges picks up his uh, empty beer bottle he was just drinking and puts it into. Uh, back into a six pack, and the, all the other five beers are still unopened. Yep. And you could tell this guy who had been uh, uh, sort of uh, giving uh, his uh, his partner grief and sort of um, you know this casual racism and putting him down. Yeah. He actually just wanted to connect with this yeah. guy. Yeah. I'm explaining that poorly, but what Hello no, High, no, no, what Hello High Water did was really give you insight into a, 
into stuff subtly with, with actions rather than words, not yeah. rather than saying like having a scene where he's like, I wanted to connect, you mm. know, like, you know, you're my partner. Mm. It was just it all done in actions. It. It, it was this. Just shows it was in that one pl- close up with the It beard. was this plot about two brothers doing, you know, like, you know, robberies in Texas. And like, I've seen that movie before, but I haven't seen it made like Hello High Water made it. That movie is one of the most entertaining movies of the year yep. and also one of the most exquisitely made movies it's of the year. It's a masterpiece and I was so yeah. glad to see, even though I don't usually give the Golden Globes much credit, I was glad to see it got nominated for Best Drama Golden Globe because it's essentially a small film and I didn't really know if it would find a big audience because it's it's a, it's a kind of a genre film. It doesn't really have... It has surprisingly lofty ambitions in what it's trying to do but it's really i never expected it to do anything it closed miff actually and i was like what's this film that's closing miff and i didn't see it at miff i saw it later but it is phenomenal it's a well, masterpiece i've never seen anything else by this director and uh, a couple of years ago i was recommended his last film start up by yeah. a friend of mine and uh hello high water has made me really want to seek out the rest of his films yeah mm-hmm. And now we, uh, we're going to end on a sour note. Yeah. I, wanna, I wanna hear yeah. your, We should have um, gone first with this. Uh, we'll, but we'll, fin- we'll, we'll finish with a, you know, we'll cheers. We'll finish with a laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a couple yeah. of laughs. Yeah. It'll be great, you know. Yeah. We'll all feel a bit depressed. I want to hear that your worst movies of the year. And I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Ooh. Like you to my left. What was your Ooh. worst movie Gives me time to think year? of one. Uh, I saw this film with John Roebuck. He invited me to the premiere. That's um, the kind of guy I am. Yeah. And we got a lovely photo, which was really nice, but the film is fucking horrendous. Um, it's called We The jo- photo, though. Oh, the photo is sent. <laughs> the photo is better than the if, film. If, if the photo was a film, it would have been both oh, out yeah. top one. We would have got an Oscar for it. Ouija <laughs> <laughs> uh, Origin of uh, Evil. That is. That's a prequel. I know. <laughs> oh, I know. And I, and I have no desire to see anything to do with it. This film, I don't know where to begin with this film. This is So this is a film essentially where, um, uh, is it clanvoyant? Is that what it, they're called? Where they, well, it's the Ouija boards. Yeah. Ouija board, yeah, yeah. yeah. We say well, Ouija in America. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so they, 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 it's essentially Jumanji with a horror twist. Um, and so essentially they, they get this Ouija, Ouija board and they um, attempt to try and communicate with the dead and they do communicate with the dead and then shit hits the fan, obviously. But obviously, but not in a good way. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Like I absolutely <laughs> at no point in this film gave a single fuck. Oh, wow. And that is saying a lot. Not even one I, fuck. St- I try. Start I try. Going to, start I try. Going to give a fuck. Start going to everything where you see everything and you realize. Like I reckon I gave that movie like six or five out of ten. Oh god. Oh god. When you start. Oh, oh. There are a lot of bad movies <laughs> oh, out there. Oh man, that is that was like but that was a bad. Movie. That was awful. And like the worst bit about it is I could see the the um, studios trying to make money off it. I I could see them trying to make. A series of films, I could see them trying to like, we're gonna make it like a grudge, or we're gonna make it like the, you know, the scary movies, and it's gonna be awesome. Not scary movies because that was a parody. Yeah. Um, but the screams, but it was just uh, they didn't. They cared so much. Is it about worth it that to keep I, talking about it? Let me ask you that. Yeah. Well, that's my point. <laughs> they cared so much about making money about that that they couldn't give a shit about the film itself, and that. Is sad. You could just be talking about Star Wars. I am talking about Star Wars. <laughs> Harsh, in a lot of ways. Derek. What's so, your worst movie? Of the so year? John referenced what was my worst movie of the year until I saw what was became my worst movie. Yoga Hosers was one was the Kevin Smith film that was going <laughs> to was going to take that uh, dishonor until I saw a movie called Dirty Grandpa, which shows 
the the depths to which a late career Robert De Niro will sink for a fucking mm. paycheck. It is abysmal. It yeah. is a story about him and his grandson, Zac Efron, who's not making some good choices either. Yeah. And they go down to spring break the day after his wife dies, the wife of, uh, of many years. Zac Efron walks in on him to pick him up, and he's masturbating to porn in a reclining chair. And that's the best part of the film. Yeah. No, it's and, and all the parts of the film are equally awful. I I doing that a couple of ways. Yeah. <laughs> I that's Robert De Niro. Like yeah. that, and that's what's tragic. This is one of the best actors of all time who pushed hard for people to try and make it. He pushed Scorsese to become Scorsese. That's one point. The second point is Zac Efron, who did me and Orson Welles and had some credibility he has and potential, has Zac potential. Efron, yeah. To be yeah. someone worth something, oh, the Mike and just Dave. decided, fuck this shit. We're gonna do this fucking shit film and get a paycheck. Mike and Dave, we need wedding dates or whatever. Less eloquent as the podcast. Oh, yeah, ever. well, he said, fuck this shit. Yeah. Let's make some. Hey, is this, <laughs> is, this, is this my rant or is this your guys' rant? I Come apologize, on. So yeah, he, Zach Efron's doing a bad job. He also made Mike and Winnie, Dave need wedding dates, which is near the bottom Wake as well. Wake up, Zach Efron. So this is a crass, uh, miserable, misanthropic enterprise. Um, that also features Aubrey Plaza, who's making a bunch of terrible decisions also since, bad. since uh, Parks and Recreation, and an actress I really like called Zoe Deutsch, who all good actors who sinks to this level. Also, this movie was wretched. Yeah, and they're all good actors who could be- potentially do something of worth, I'd, and I'd, they're not interested. I agree, especially about Zac Efron. Yeah, yeah he, he like after Orson Welles. I mean Orson Welles. Yeah. Um, my, what are we talking about? Worst Your worst film of the, film year. Of the yeah. year. That's right. Um, where am I? Uh, is oh, Inferno. I? And uh. Inferno was a bad film, and it especially bothers me because um, Ron Howard's capable, who's the director, is capable of making amazing films. Parenthood yep. is in my top ten of all time. Yep. And if he'd made Inferno and it was just a once-off bad movie, okay. But this is the third in the series of the Da Vinci Code movies. And he knows that he's making bad movies, which makes me sick. This guy is a good director and he is literally making this for a paycheck and wringing money out of like, you know, people of, you know, hopeful people who hope the movie is good. Yeah. And he knows it's bad. Yeah. Like there's, there's no scenario where Ron Howard is going into make Inferno thinking that he's going to do a good exactly. job. Mm. He, that's exactly right. And it's the same with Dirty Grandpa. It's the same concept. But, but, no. but the thing Dirty is, Grandpa I actually, I actually is think it's different because Ron Howard's a good director. And, but Robert De Niro is a good okay, actor. Yeah, no, no, and okay. Zac yeah. Efron's a good yeah, actor. Yeah, no, and true. Audrey is a yeah. good actor. Yeah, okay, that's true, yeah. And it's just like uh, these people are just packing it in. And that's what's sad. And th- I don't understand why. Like, like you know what I mean? You make a couple of million once you let's, gotta, you gotta let's, keep working. Let's never <laughs> yeah. do this podcast for the paycheck <laughs> because we haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing it right it's now. True. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, well, let's finish on a positive note. I want to say uh, to both of you, you two, my best friends. I've uh, oh, I've, en- I've enjoyed um, you know uh, doing this with you, and we'll do it again yeah. next year. Derek um, is going uh, to America for a few weeks, so we're gonna have a bit of a hiatus. When do you get back, Derek? January 14th. Okay. So uh, just in time for something. Just in time for, well, yeah, some of the delayed Oscar hopefuls. Manchester by the Sea. I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, I'm really Maybe looking forward to that. could be our next that. one. I'm really looking forward to Manchester by the Sea. And I'm looking forward to loving 
Loving's the other one yep. that I'm really oh, and, loving. Uh, what's the one? Moonlight. Moonlight. Moonlight, yeah, Moonlight yeah, yeah. is... Like I haven't e- I haven't seen it yet, but I'm I gonna try to catch some of these films in the U.S. because I really want to see them as soon as possible, and I'm trying to hope that my wife won't get upset when I tell her that on our vacation or our holiday <laughs> I want to go to the movies once every three yeah, days. Shit. I've already told her. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, I think we should cheers one last time, yeah. fellas. And I wanna I wanna thank John for uh, for allowing us to do this podcast. I've really enjoyed my for time. making it all possible. You, you lucky bastard. No, it's good. It's really good. I. I couldn't give a fuck even if anyone hears this podcast. I really enjoy just talking to you guys. Amen. Folks. That's lucky. <laughs> well, we have two or three people listening. And uh, <laughs> this is the Real Good Podcast signing off. I'm sorry if we've been a bit all over the shop this episode, but it's the end of the year, guys. So yeah. um, cop us a bit of slack and listen to our other podcasts for a bit more quality. We're going out to get drunk and, uh, you know, enjoy life because it's not all about podcasts and films. It's about friendship. Mm. Derek, Hap- thanks for 2016. Thank you. Happy end of the year to you both. And Blakey, thanks for 2016. Merry Christmas, everybody. My name's John Roebuck, and this has been the Real Good Podcast for 2016. We'll see you all again in 2017. <laughs> mm.